All right, looks like it's live. All right, uh, well, welcome to uh, Divi Chat, episode number, what episode 90, number was this again? 91, I think. 91, episode 91. We're going to have to do something special for the for the 100th. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I had my YouTube up. Okay, uh, so uh, for those of you who may not be aware, uh, Divi Chat is a podcast where brilliant folks like us, I'm just kidding, we're not all that brilliant. You guys are. Uh, from all around the world, get together weekly um, and discuss exciting topics related to uh, to web design, web development, web marketing, different things like that. And uh, today we're going to be uh, discussing a topic that a lot of uh, web developers and designers can relate with, which is uh, working with a remote design team and maybe a little bit of just kind of working remotely in general. So. Uh, before we get started, let's uh, introduce our panel here. Uh, let's, as usual, go ladies first. Leslie? Hi, um, I'm Leslie Burnell, uh, and I run A Girl and Her Mac. And you can find me at agirlandhermac.design and on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A Girl and Her Mac. All right, awesome. Happy to have you. All right, Mr. Timothy. Hey everyone, Tim Streifler here, and uh, you can find me online at divilife.com, timstreifler.com and wpgears.com and i am broadcasting from austin texas and uh i enjoy long walks on the beach with Corey. and mm -hmm. uh yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah those are nice <laughs> <laughs> all right happy to have you here tim josh hey everybody josh hall here coming to you from columbus ohio you can find me at joshhall.co where i have all my divi and wordpress related stuff and then in regards to working remotely, you can check out Entransit Studios, my web design business, where myself and some of my remote freelancers uh, build website designs with WordPress and Divi. All right. Happy to have you here, Josh. And I am Corey Jenkins. Uh, you can find me, uh, well, I'm from Prescott, Arizona. You can find me at multiple places on the web, uh, to name a few, Divi.space, AspenGrowthStudios.com, PotentPlugins.com, here on uh, Divi.chat. And I'm very excited to be here. Uh, all right. Uh, do you guys want to start as usual? We'll throw Tim under the bus and have him uh, kind of <laughs> a little definition yeah. of what Define working, working remotely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much definition is needed for this topic. <laughs> but uh, as entrepreneurs and with uh, modern day technology, we can essentially work from anywhere in the world. And uh, with that, we can also have people that work for us and with us from anywhere in the world. And so uh, really the, uh, the workforce goes beyond your local area and it becomes a global workforce. And um, yeah, so I think all of us here have, have worked with or have people working for us that are all around the world, which is pretty incredible. And so, yeah, I'm excited to kind of talk about that, talk about the tools that we use to make it better, talk about, um, you know, some methods of, of managing remote employees and stuff like that. Okay, great. That was, that was excellent as usual, Tim. <laughs> Thank you. So, so uh, I, I guess a, a good way for us all to kind of segue into this would be maybe to start talking about our experiences uh, with working remotely, what our current situation might be. And then from there, um, I think that'll kind of get the juices flowing for us getting into methods and uh, the different tools that we use to manage uh, remote uh, work teams. So well, I'll start because um, I, well, I probably only just, just this a few months ago, I started working with um, Aspen Grove Studios and y'all are probably the biggest team I've ever worked with, even though I don't necessarily talk to everyone for every project. 
um, you know, like we recently had like a meetup just to kind of get together and, and meet and it was like, what, 12 of us. And so, you know, getting the time right and stuff like that. I imagine that you guys, since y'all are the project managers uh, of the stuff, it could be very confusing. I work alone. Um, I have worked with other people. I've hired a developer here and there, but that's pretty much it. Um, I have had worldwide clients, but we're always doing email-based communication. So, you know, I've never had to do much of the slap, um, the like, uh, like getting on, on the chat or something like that. Like, what is it called? Y'all know what I'm saying. Um, but I, it's never been a big Video issue conference? as far as like, yeah, yeah. But I'm trying mm. to think of that one out that I never hear about anymore. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I never really had to do that much. I, I do it occasionally now with AGS. Um, but yeah, it hasn't, I don't know, it's been pretty, pretty cool. We, we love chatting with you, Leslie. <laughs> well, Leslie, Leslie's really kind of messing with you. I, I, she kind of gets my dad jokes, which I'm happy. I'm happy I with. love dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, our, uh, our, our Slack, you know, it's, uh, it's busy. Um, geez, we probably have about uh, 20, 20 members of our um, company Slack channel, probably 15 of those are, are pretty active uh, on, a, on a daily basis. Um, so, you know, we, we kind of, we kind of use that like as our, you know, primary means um, talking and quite a few other tools, which we'll get into, but um, yeah, we have, you know, about 15 active team members from kind of all around the world, you know, South, South Africa, Poland, the UK, South America, so, uh, so some of the different tools we're going to discuss really help us manage that because it's kind of like kind of organized chaos at times, <laughs> but it's, it's fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, so are, are we just kind of going through sharing our experience a little bit? Yeah. Missed that first part. Okay. So for me, I have uh, a much smaller team than, than Corey and David with, with AGS, um, but I have a remote team of about five people uh, from all around the world, um, Dubai, uh, South Africa, actually, as well, um, Argentina, uh, Granada, which was a country I wasn't familiar with until I, I hired this person. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty amazing to be able to have people all over the world that are working for you, and you know, kind of like looking at you know the typical job. You want to hire people that are in your local area that can uh, you know come to work for you in your office and stuff. And so, when you open up that workspace, you're not looking at the person's location, you're really just looking at, you know, their experience, are they going to fit into the, you know, the company culture and stuff, and they can be anywhere in the world. Um, you know, I, another guy in Bangladesh who English is, is definitely not his first language. And, um, you know, I definitely wouldn't have him blogging, but as a designer, he's, he's doing a great job and, uh, you know, he's working hard on his English and, and everything to communicate with me. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's pretty cool that, um, I guess it's in a way it's kind of humbling to be able to hire people from all over the world that are, you know, they're making a living from my business, uh, even though they're, you know, nowhere near me geographically. So it's, yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool feeling. Mm. Yeah. All right, Josh. Yeah. So right now, um, so obviously I work in my home office here and then my wife works with the business kind of part-time now that she's a stay at home mom. So she does, uh, maintenance updates and things like that. And a lot of content. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Yeah. She's been working, uh, over just over three years now with the business oh, wow. for a lot of back end stuff. So she's a behind the scenes kind of person. Uh, but yeah, so, so my wife handles a lot of stuff and works with me. And then we have two people locally. I have an SEO partner who's here local. And then I have a graphic design gal who assists sometimes. And then 
to start this year, I, um, I got into a little more freelancing globally and I have a few now, uh, Jonathan, who's in Australia and he's working yeah. for me almost full time and he's just crushing it. Awesome. He's doing awesome. Um, yeah. So it's pretty cool. I mean, he's like a legit, you know, nearly full-time employee at this point. And then Amanda, who Amanda Lucas, who maybe some people know she's in Ireland. Uh, Ireland. We collaborate quite frequently. Got a guy in Vancouver who helps me out with migrations and a lot of stuff like email stuff that I don't want to do. Uh, so it's about a team of about eight right now altogether. Some are working more uh, full-time and in some are just kind of as needed basis. And I also have a couple other Divi freelancers who pop in uh, from time to time. So yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it's definitely um, the time zone thing got a, a while to get used to as far as working with somebody who's 14 hours ahead. Um, but interestingly enough, in that case, like when I'm working during the day, I tend to get everything done and get everything planned out. And then Jonathan, who's in Australia can then take on, you know, take his kind of to-do list and get going. And by the morning he's done all his stuff and then I can review it and we can collaborate. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'm sure we'll get a, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in more detail, but yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm curious, the people that are local or somewhat close to you, do you get together with them on a regular basis or do you do most of the work uh, remotely with them? Um, a little of both. Uh, one is we, we did the guy who does graphic design for me. Uh, my wife and I took her and her husband out uh, shortly before Bria came along and we, we had dinner and met them in person. We had met a couple times previously. So we'll get together every once in a while, but I don't have full-time work for her. So it's kind of ad, as needed. She has a full-time job, but then she assists me in the evenings and weekends when I have graphic design stuff for her to do. Uh, my SEO guy, we do meet more regularly, usually every couple months to review our plans and um, go, go in more detail. And I do love, I mean, I wish, I can't wait to meet Jonathan and Amanda and couple of the others I'm working with at a word camp one day, because yeah, there's just so much value in a face-to-face -face conversation, but thanks to video calling and zoom and things like that. Um, it does, you know, give you an opportunity to, to keep things more personal. Cause I don't know about you guys, but when you're just communicating through email, you still don't quite get to know the person and fully trust that person until you, and I hate to say just see them, but at least connect with them on a more personal level. Yeah the, yeah. the video, video conversation, I, I think is key. Um, you know, I, I try to do it with, um, you know, people that I manage and support and stuff on a regular basis. I, I'm curious, Josh, uh, I, my wife, uh, works for, for Aspen Grove as well. And she does, um, you know, support tickets with like licensing and stuff. Uh, so she and I actually probably do more communication on Slack than you'd think, you know, oh, I'm, wow. I'm out in my office, you know, with my headphones on, you know, doing stuff and she'll send me, you know, and then I'll see her like later in the day, like, Oh, Hey, Hey, sweetie. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. do, you, do you and your wife do the same thing or is it usually like face to face? No, uh, we, we still, so we use base camp. Um, it's more face to face with her. The work has lessened more and more just because Bria has a lot of needs and she's really pretty wrapped up just maintaining her in the house every day. Um, now that we're parents, but generally what she'll do is, so she handles like a lot of the maintenance updates and things like that. And then we still have, we don't advertise that we do print design, but we'll still do business card orders and brochures for clients who I've had for years who want to get reorders and things like that. So she handles all that. Um, so it's kind of sporadic. It's a little, it's a little less intensive probably than what you and your wife are doing, but yeah, it is kind of funny when you're communicating through base camp because I'll see her out there and then I'm like, <laughs> Hey, and then I'm like, do I say, hey, or do I just go yeah, into it? Yeah, you try to keep it professional, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like everyone else, um, everyone else, our threads are like, hey, Jonathan, hey, I, you know, want to do this when with her. It's like, order these cards, 500 cards. Yeah. 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 And, and, and what, do, what do I do if you do something wrong, you know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it is kind of nice, though, just from a marital level, because like now I can be like, you know, this, 
those cards shipped or, you know, the payment failed and she's like, oh, she's kind of in the know with yeah. a lot more things now, which I still kind of, we need to do better at having like either monthly or maybe quarterly reviews of projects and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, my wife, she doesn't work with me on day-to-day stuff, but she's uh, unofficially my CFO, uh, but not in the traditional sense of CFO. She's my chief feedback officer. And so uh, she's someone <laughs> that can something give me, was coming. <laughs> I know she can see someone that can give me an honest opinion and tell me like, nope, that looks stupid. Don't do that. Or, you know, like that's a terrible idea, Tim, what are you <laughs> giving all of your products away for free? You know? <laughs> Just, yeah. My, my wife, joking, is that my, wasn't actually a discussion. <laughs> my wife is my CFO. CGO, my chief grounding officer, because she, she kind of grounds me because sometimes I get to getting inspired and I have a bunch of ideas and I wanted to get moving on stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I'll do a course by September, another course <laughs> in September, and of course November, and then I'll have three to end the year. And she's like, maybe you should just do one and see how it goes. And I was like, yeah, she's like your, your chief reality Come officer. Back. Come back. Yeah, chief reality <laughs> officer. <laughs> Um, Nancy in the chat has, has a good question. I think that might be, uh, to jump into next. Um, how do you find these freelancers? Um, do they come to you with their portfolios? Um, do you guys have like a, like a method on that? I can go into how mine came about, which I've, I've talked in a couple of previous episodes, I think just kind of hit on it. But so locally I met my SEO guy in a networking group that I'm a part of here. Uh, and then I actually went through a staffing company where I found my graphic designer. I had used a couple graphic designers who I knew from some college and some of my personal networks, but just didn't really work out real well. And it wasn't a great fit, but, uh, so I actually used a staffing agency for this gal. She ended up being great. And then now that she's working full-time elsewhere, we just kind of do under the table work for my stuff. Um, she's been a great fit. Now what's interesting is like Jonathan, Amanda, and some of the others globally, um, they all came to me and reached out during my scaling your Divi web design business, which I did earlier this year. So like Tim, you were on that um, and a few others. And it was really cool about that because it was kind of a different way to hire. I didn't, I didn't necessarily mean for that be a hire, to be a hiring tool, but I was getting involved with scaling and I had thought about reaching out to some people I trust in the Divi community, but they actually came to me. So um, Jonathan, for example, just emailed me and like, and he was like, Hey man, I've been following your stuff and I'd be really interested in, learning from you and working with you if, if there's any potential for that. And I'll have to go back through and look at this email because it's really cool. But uh, I was like, yeah, that could, that could be really cool. So we just, I kind of gave him one little task to try out. He did really good. We started doing a few other things and then it went even better. And then I offered to pay him hourly once I found out what his rate was. And then uh, it just kind of escalated from there. And the same thing with Amanda, who's in Ireland. She just reached out, let me know a little bit about her business. And uh, we started collaborating from there. So yeah, the content that I put out there kind of drawed people in, which was a, a different way to hire, I think. I mean, I didn't say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, I have openings, but I just made it clear that I was scaling. And then enough people, I think, you know, reached out from that. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I got people that reached out to me as well uh, as a result of the scaling series having me on there. So thank you for that, Josh. Um, well, I'll, I'll apologize if it gets to, uh, if it gets to well, 2,000 views or whatever it's at right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, to answer, uh, I think it was Nancy's question in the, the chat, I have found uh, quite a few freelancers in the Divi Freelancers for Hire Facebook group uh, when I'm specifically looking for someone that knows Divi really well. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of places online where you can find uh, contractors, freelancers, but when I want someone that knows Divi really well, um, I go to the, the freelancers for hire group. That's how I found uh, my support girl uh, who's in Dubai, found her there. 
Um, I think I found a couple other people there, uh, kind of more part-time contractors, but that's a really great place because everyone that's in the group pretty much is there because they want to get hired. And so, and, and they know Divi, hopefully, um, Leslie and I are both admins of, of that group. Um, and then also I found contractors on Upwork, which is one of the kind of big online, um, contractor freelancer uh, websites out there. Uh, it's kind of hit or miss. You kind of have to do your homework, but they have some ways of uh, kind of giving you um, ways to kind of see what their their potential is. So there's like re a review system. So you can see what their average rating is. You can see how many completed projects they have um, and, you know, kind of see if they're uh, getting repeat uh, work from clients and stuff. So that kind of gives you a good gauge. Um, yeah. So that, so that's pretty good, but you kind of have to do more due diligence to, you know, kind of see, test them out, that sort of thing. But yeah, those are probably the, the two that I've found um, to be most effective for me. Um, but like anything, you kind of have to try them out. And um, sometimes you have to try out several until you get one that, you know, is a good, not just a good fit with experience, but a good fit kind of with the company culture. And, you know, um, you know, you enjoy working with each other and they seem to kind of get what your overall goals are and vision are for the company. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, we uh, we, we started off initially, you know, um, finding people from within the, the Divi community. Obviously, Leslie is working with Aspen Grove now and she's... Uh, one of the most prominent people in Divi. Most people. <laughs> I think only you guys think that. <laughs> yeah, m most everybody knows Leslie. Of course, she's toning it down now <laughs> a little bit. Her presence, um, you know. And, and then as we as we grew, um, you know, we started having our employees like refer people. Um, Dominica, who was was one of our earlier um, employees, uh, is just a, a great uh, front end developer, and so we were looking for you know for another designer. And Dominica says, okay, well, you know, I know Anna, you know, let's, you know, here, you can take a look at her stuff, interview her, and then we hired Anna. So then it comes to where we need to hire more designers, you know. Um, so then Anna puts a, puts a um, job posting, like on some, uh, some job board, like in Poland. And I, I don't know what it is, like in the water in Poland. Yeah, they're all They good. are just like amazingly... <laughs> yeah talented designers and uh we got like flooded with um flooded with applications and all these portfolios and so many of them were amazing but from that we were able to hire two more people um but a lot of our early hires you know uh, pablo and and some of those earlier hires were people that we kind of knew from the groups and it it worked out really well um especially when you're starting to scale you're not as comfortable with it and it, it's it, it's kind of a hard thing to do initially um <clears throat> One of the things that, that we kind of like re recently realized that we, we need to look at when you are getting somebody to work with you is that they, you know, hopefully do have some experience working remotely because as we mentioned, like in some other um, Divi chat episodes, it's, it's an adjustment and you can't have somebody going straight from a nine to five, right. To working remotely. You can, but it takes a, a certain type of person. Have you guys ever like thought about that or checked into that when hiring or. Well, I've only been witness to this, but I'm in another project and um, we do a lot of communication in Slack and they just invited some people into it who have, I guess have never learned, never used Slack or any of a lot of these apps and stuff that we use. So I'm just kind of watching the conversation, but um, yeah, it's interesting. That person definitely um, was not a, an online remote working type person. So they're, they're learning that now and yeah, um, it's interesting to see. Yeah. So, yeah. so besides like the discipline and lifestyle, there's learning <laughs> tools that are associated with remote work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, for me, I've, I've pretty much always kind of tested out people on a part-time basis first before ramping them up to be like, you know, a permanent team member, full-time kind of thing. Um, and so that kind of helps kind of gauge whether or not they're going to be a good fit, not just skill level, but what you're saying, Corey, kind of, you know, being a, a remote worker, working from home, that sort of thing. Um, but then another thing that, that I've found really interesting that I learned from, I think, uh, I don't know where I saw it, but it was Matt Mullenweg, the co-founder of WordPress, the CEO of Automatic. Uh, he was interviewed somewhere and uh, he talked about how anytime, first of all, which I found really interesting is he does all, at least at that point in the interview, I don't know if it's changed since then, he does all the initial, um, that's what I'm looking for, uh, uh, vetting yes thank you he does all the initial vetting before he passes them on to like specific department managers and so his thinking is he has a very specific you know type of uh you know culture personality that he's looking for for his company and so he wants to make sure they pass those initial tests before he you know passes them on to the managers but another thing is their initial interview isn't like a phone call it isn't a skype call or anything like that it's Slack messaging back and forth because in their company, Slack being a remote company, mm -hmm. Slack is their primary, uh, their primary communication tool. And so he wants to make sure that they can communicate effectively in Slack with messages and they have good, you know, written English skills and, you know, they can uh, understand direction and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, before going on to, you know, phone and stuff like that. Cause you know, obviously that stuff is important too, but if you're mainly, communicating in Slack, which is what I do in my company, you know, I want to make sure that, that they can do that effectively, you know, the messaging kind of thing. Um, right. And, you know, I can understand what they're saying and their tone and stuff like that. Cause mm -hmm. um, you know, there's certain things in text that like aren't portrayed as yeah. well, like emotion <laughs> and, you know, someone might look like they're frustrated, but really they're not, you know? And so that's yeah. why I love emojis. Particularly if yeah. English isn't somebody's first language, I right. know it can very easily, like I know some comments on YouTube have come across a little wrong to where it almost sounded like uh, somewhat personal, like offensive to me. But then yeah. as I read the comment, I realized like they didn't mean it like that. They just, some words were, you know, they just came across, a, you know, a little more like that, which, yeah, it can be tough with different language barriers. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, Corey, the, answer, the emoji skills are, are definitely important. <laughs> yeah. Right. right an exclamation point. And, goes and, and animated GIFs. Yeah. 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 But Corey, yeah. to answer your first question, like I know, I think that's one pro about us being in the Divi community is if you're already connected there, like if somebody reaches out to you and they're already connected in a Facebook group or something, I feel like more than likely they're going to be a little more prone to the way we do things and the way we are. And then I don't really fear, like when I started working with a few global people this year, um, a couple I got to know through Divi Nation interviews and just seeing them around answering comments. So that's a big thing too. If you're helpful in these groups, I guarantee somebody's watching you. And you never know who's going to recognize you. Like somebody could reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm interested in some freelance work or whatever. And then if I had seen them in the groups and I saw them being helpful and I kind of knew their name a little bit, I would be much more apt to start working with them or at least test them out. So I think that's one pro that we have as well being in the Divi community. You kind of already have a leg up as opposed yeah. to sending yeah. some corporate one page application with no picture and you know you're looking for a college degree on it or something that's a really yeah. good point and something i've heard uh david say before uh is he he kind of looks for that when looking for divvy people is how they interact in the group before he kind of reaches out to them and, and so forth uh, and th there's actually a couple people that i've kind of had my eye on i have no idea if 
they're, you know, even interested in, in working for me or with me or whatever. Um, but I just, you know, really appreciate their helpfulness. And like, you know, they just seem like I, someone that I'd really want to, to, you know, have on my team. And so uh, that's a really good point, Josh, because you kind of get like, you know, it's almost like a really extended interview, uh, you know, opposed to like a, you know, Slack messaging back and forth or a 20 minute Slack call or a it's Skype. It's kind call. of an unofficial vetting process. Yeah, yeah, it really is yeah. in a lot of ways. And so, yeah, no, that's a really great point. Definitely. Uh, I, I think before we start jumping into the tools and kind of technical aspects, um, Mike Devitt in chat has uh, another, what I think is a really good question. Uh, does everyone feel the pressure to always be available when working remotely so as to not allow people to wait for a, a reply? Yes, that yeah. is. I was actually just typing not a response, anymore. but I think I'll just, yeah, I think I'll just I, say I think that. it's a good enough question that, you know, we should probably address it here. And then yeah. um, we, we kind of, I think we kind of hit it when we were talking on the episode about working from home. Yeah. Um, but yeah, clients can often feel like since you're working from home or you're working remotely that you should just be on 24 seven. And most people honestly are on 24 seven now, it seems like, as everyone has access to email. But for me, I know I've just tried to block out puts kind of a, a daily routine in place to where I have certain times for email and administrative work. And I've been kind of strict on like protecting my creative time. So like today I was working on my maintenance course and I blocked like an hour and a half phones off. I'm at a coffee shop. Um, I'm only checking in on Facebook every five minutes instead of every two. And then I'm, I'm like, I'm just kidding by the way. Um, but I'm kind of blocking, you know, I'm blocking my creative time to where I'm actually like focusing on this and getting some good stuff done. Because if a client's going to have some communication to you, as long as you can try to get to it within 24 hours, unless it's some sort of an emergency, I found that most clients are cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. From, uh, I can definitely relate to Mike's question for sure. You know, having a remote team where there are different places around the world, because there's times where like my developer is asking me questions and there are questions that I need to answer in order for her to continue working on the project. Mm. And, uh, you know, so I want to answer those questions as, you know, as quickly as possible so that she can continue working on the project and, and get stuff accomplished so we can meet, you know, the, the deadlines that we have uh, projected and everything. And so uh, there definitely is that tendency to like at all times, you know, and she like this particular developer kind of works odd hours. She's in Argentina and, you know, she, she works late at night, which is like even you know later for me and, mm. and stuff. And so there definitely is that, like temptation just to, you know, all hours, you know, answer questions and stuff. And so I've kind of learned uh, kind of like what Josh was saying to, you know, protecting my, my, my personal time, or I guess you were talking about protecting your creative time, but protecting my time that, you know, okay, this is like family time. Like I'm not working and stuff. Um, so I think uh, the adjustment I've had to make is like, okay, these are, these are the work hours, even though like I kind of pride myself, you know, being able to work for myself whenever I want, wherever I want kind of thing. Like it helps to have a more routine process. And my team knows that during these times, you know, I'm available, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I, I may answer you outside of those times, but these are the core times. Like if you need, you know, me to answer questions, like let's make it happen during these yeah. hours and stuff. So, so, so turning the table, um, Tim, let's say that you message like one of your developers and you know, you're in the middle of a project and, they take a while to get back to you. Um, how, like, is there a certain way that you address that or, uh, um, I, I mean, I fired. think I'm actually, <laughs> I'm pretty flexible 
you know, and like, I think I've just gotten used to that remote, you know, type of, of uh, environment to where I don't always expect an answer right away. And then if, you know, if there's like, oh, shoot, we need to fix this one thing and, you know, Divi overlays or whatever. And my developer, like, you know, answers me right away and like, you know, pushes a fix and it's like, boom. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's, I, I really appreciate, but I don't always expect it. Yeah. Um, Cause I think I've just kind of gotten that flow where, yeah, there's definitely a benefit working all on the same time zone. And, you know, even in the same office, you know, locally where you can just turn to someone and be like, Hey, I need you to go fix this right now. Or like, I need you to go do this or, or, or whatever. And they're able to like, Oh, okay. Cause you know, yeah. the boss and they just go and do it. But uh, yeah, there definitely is that kind of learning curve and adjustment period learning to, uh, you know, adjust to different time zones and stuff and not so- have that like, immediate type of you know expectation yeah yeah one thing that's helped me with that I I guess I I probably answered Mike's question a little wrong from my end like when in regards to like working with a team because yeah it's very easy to feel like you need to be on constantly but what I've found that has worked for us is so Jonathan's 14 hours ahead of me so like I said generally when he's working during the day I'm sleeping and then he puts all his notes in base camp by the end of the day. And when I get up, I see those and then I address those. And unless there's anything that is ongoing or immediate or urgent, um, generally we don't need to chat live about that. So a lot of times in the evenings, we'll hop on Facebook messenger or something. And um, I'll try not to spend too much time in the evening on the laptop, but um, periodically I'll spend a half an hour or so and we'll chat about something live, whether it's business or personal, getting to know each other better. Um, but yeah, Basecamp has really, and you could do this with Slack too, but we have different channels in Basecamp. And the reason I like that is like right now we're working on like five projects together, six projects together. So what we'll do is we'll have like different threads in those projects for certain things. So like, here's a thread for homepage design. Here's a thread for this other project. And when I go in in the morning, he has ideas or details listed in those threads. And then I can kind of go to that mental box and then respond to him there and then he can respond back at his leisure at his time and then it has worked out pretty well um so i just say that to say like yeah generally unless it's something that is about ready to launch or there's a a deadline um usually that leeway of like you know 18 to 24 hours has worked out pretty well for us yeah and that right there that's why uh the conversations within the project management tools i use asana is really great because it keeps that thread with that project where in Slack stuff gets buried and I'll, you know, ask my yeah. support person like, or, um, you know, actually she'll ask me, Hey, I need these accounts checked, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, then there'll be like five other things we chat about. And it just kind of gets lost. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That is yep. a downside. Too. I still like, haven't moved forward. Yeah. I still haven't. I, I never use Slack except for the Divi chat stuff just because of that. I, I still love how we can really segregate things in base camp between different projects and different threads within those projects. So one project might have a thread on the homepage, the contact page, and then some of the design stuff. So we can have like seg- segmented conversations all within a project. So that's, that's really helped us out working remotely because yeah, we can't meet together and write down, you know, where we're at. It can get lost if it's all jumbled up together. Yeah, I, I'm sure Leslie can relate to that at times in our <laughs> uh, Slack channels, things getting lost. Leslie, to weigh in on that, um, you working with Aspen Grove or any other uh, company, you know, companies that you might have done work with, do you feel that need to like reply immediately? Like, oh my gosh, I got to reply. You, you can, you're you're pretty good at setting boundaries. Well, which, which I'm cool. I'm kind of I kind of like time. to. <laughs> yeah. I I do <laughs> like to. I I don't I don't know if it's like an anal thing with me or whatever. It, it bothers me if I take too long to reply. So I do even if I'm not available, I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm not at home right now, but I'll be back at my computer in a little bit. 
Um, it doesn't bother me when other, I, I always figure, okay, like just pretend whatever I ask, just connect when you get a chance to it, you know, just cause I know everybody's busy. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it kind of depends on what it is too. Like if, you know, if it was like Tim, like, you know, I can imagine if he's, if there's a Divi overlays issue, if there's a plugin issue or something, that's different. You know, there's times or, when you kind or of- Or like when you crashed one of our websites on- yes. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> that's a good point. Oh yeah, though. yeah, that was Gutenberg's fault. I know. That's a good point when it comes to priorities and deadlines. Like that's one, I'm sure a lot of project management tools have this, but I, one reason I love Basecamp is you can set the to-do list and you can give it to a certain person and you can give it a deadline. Yeah. So like with Jonathan, a lot of times I'll say, you know, if it's a monthly maintenance update, I'll say, you know, here's the email from this client. Let's get this done by Wednesday or something yeah. like that. And it's worked out. Yeah. Um, my, you know, myself as an owner and just having so much going on, um, I don't know that I feel the, the pressure to respond right away to stuff. Um, but I do because things happen and I, you know, if it's something that's not important, I'll get back to it. But like, you know, like, like on Sunday, I'm out like hammering fence boards. I see Leslie's message, which, yeah. Buzzes, and, like, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, I get inside, I get inside and fix it. And I, I just have that, you know, because, because I, I do have such like an integral uh, part of the, uh, of the company and, and managing people. Um, now flipping the tables, I, I do know our team so well, you know, like Pablo, if Pablo is not responding, I know Pablo's having internet problems and so, you know, SJ <laughs> is having internet problems possibly, which I think he's listening in right now. He's had internet problems lately. So, so, you know, uh, you get to know your team members and, you know, it, it, you can't be after them to respond immediately right away. They're working from home. You know, they might, you know, have something come up, somebody come to the door. So, so you can't be like extremely urgent and punish them for not, for not getting to you right away. We're all, we're all pretty good about letting each other know, Hey, going to take lunch, have to run an errand, things like that. So we just know each it's other. Interesting. Yeah. It's interesting too. Cause well, like right now, um, I guess for a while, I didn't really think about it, but everyone I work with on my current projects, they're, they're friends. I don't have, um. Like my, my clients that I do design for, uh, I, I know them, I met them through, we're friends first. So we're friends on Facebook too. So I know if I'm going to ask something on Slack and like, I know if Corey's out having beers or he's camping with his kids, cause I've seen the pictures, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but I, I do still put it just so I don't, I don't forget myself if I need to ask something and, and I don't expect, you know, I, I, I know what he's doing, so I don't expect an answer, but it's interesting. Cause it does, I don't know, I guess now that I work mainly just with friends, it, it's a lot of relief pressure. Like I, I, I know that they're cool. I know that if they, you know, if I can't get back to them right away, like within, you know, two minutes or something, it's not gonna be an issue. Um, so in that way, working your friends is really awesome. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good no, way. I'll start good. Tim, go ahead, man. I was just gonna say, if, if they don't respond right away and you get to know your team, you know, or friends or, or whatever, you know, it's not because they're like being irresponsible or slacking right. off or something. It's like, okay, if they're not responding, then it's for a really good reason. You know, they're with family or, you know, they're super busy and stuff. And so I think it comes back to like, when you have like a, a really strong team, uh, you know, they're ambitious for me. It's like, you know, telling my, my support person, Shafak, like, like this isn't urgent. Like I have to preface it. It isn't urgent. Cause I know she'll just go and do it. Cause she's just a super <laughs> yeah. hard worker. And so I have to tell her like, I'm writing this. So I don't forget, but like, don't do it now. And it's like, I almost have to like tell her the opposite, like, <laughs> you know, because she is so dedicated and you yeah. know, such a hard worker. Yeah. Uh, Alex, one of our new support guys, I was just working, you know, it was like nine, my time, like midnight, his time. And I was just wanted to put something, you know, on her support channel before I forgot. And he writes me back. Okay. I got it taken care of. And I'm like, 
like, why are you still awake? Yeah, right. <laughs> I had to have the conversation right with him, like, like, you don't have to do it right now. I just, I'm getting, I'm getting old. I forget things. So I just wanted to, to put it in there. <laughs> and that's a good way to drive people away too, honestly. <laughs> imagine you're a, a subcontractor or freelancer. You're starting to work with somebody and this dude is just working nonstop. They're never <laughs> off the computer. And then you're getting bombarded with to do's and tasks and, you know, if you don't get it done in two hours, somebody's like, Hey, what's going on? What are you doing? Why isn't this done? That's a really good way to lose some good potential talent. So I think it goes back to culture. Like you as the owner, you as the person giving the work is you're kind of setting the precedent for what the the culture you're creating. So yeah, Yeah, there's there's a tone with every company and a pace and you have to meet that balance to where you're not like over, you know, exerting people and and overwhelming them and stressing them out Mm -hmm. to, you know, to where the team is staying, you know, productive and and happy and creative. So there's, there is a real finite balance there. Yeah. That reminds me of of an article I read and I I don't know how much of this is truth, but it was about Apple executives and about that culture. And I'm talking about like, you know, the, the chief VPs and and so forth, uh, you know, at that super high management level in the most valuable company in the world, they're expected to respond to their superior within like, you know, a couple hours max, anytime, day or night. So it doesn't matter if you're out, you know, at your kid's recital or you're, you know, sleeping, if your boss or your boss's boss sends you an email, like you're expected to I, I could understand that. I, that doesn't surprise me. Like, I would want yeah. that. I would want to work. I, I, no. like, like, I can see having like on-call hours, you know, like, okay, like and swap. But you do, you know, I think you need those like those times. I'm like in love oh, with totally. Just let loose. Like, hey, I'm going to go out and have like, you know, I'm going to go out and have beers tonight. You probably don't yeah. want to respond. You know? <laughs> it right. is kind of like an all, like for, for us so far this year, because this is my first year with it, with working with global uh, freelancers. Is it, for us, it has been kind of an on-call thing. So like this weekend, Amanda and I had a big launch on a project she was collaborating on. And so she's in Ireland, she's five hours ahead. So we did at 10 a.m. on Saturday, my time, 3 p.m. Yeah, 3 p.m. her time. And we just arranged that. So we knew like normally we're not gonna work that much on Saturdays, but we had it planned. Like just in case this migration goes awry, let's clear Saturday just in case. And then luckily everything went well. But yeah, it's I think it's a matter of, you know, you are going to have moments where you kind of have to be on call, just like any web designer, you're going to have to be on call if there's a, a website issue or a site down or something. But overall, I think having those, that time to where you give people their time with families for their hobbies and to stay mentally and physically healthy, I think it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. On that point, I think when you kind of have that culture and you get to know your your team and everything, it's like, obviously your deadlines and, and, you know, the work and stuff is super important, but you also value, you know, their family time and their, you know, mental health and physical health. And so you want them to, right. you know, succeed. You want to be a good boss. And, yeah. And so it's not just like, Oh, like I want, you know, you to stay healthy so you can continue working, but it's like, no, I genuinely care about you and your family. And so like, I want you to take time off. Like I'm making you take time off so that you can, you know, feel recharged and all oh, that. rejuvenate. And then also like, yeah, the, the side benefits of that is they're going to be a better worker. They're going to, you know, be able to produce more and, you know, work Like harder. Dominica's on, on a vacation right now, right? We're sort of vacation, sort of learning a new language or something. Uh, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Dominica has taken a, um, Dominica has taken a hiatus, um, which she's been such a just great hardworking, um, employee and, you know, she wanted to take a vacation you know, kind of clear. Yeah. A little sabbatical, clear her head a little bit, but during that time she needs, she needs time for like, for learning. And like, we're so busy 
you know, all, all the time, like she can't just go like learn react. And, and that's really what she was wanting to do is, is to kind of focus on, um, focus on like her, her skills and growing her development skills. And so, awesome. you know, we, we just kind of, you know, made it happen. Um, that is some, I, I wanted to address uh, David's question here in the chat, but real quick, that is something to consider because we're all American and I have seen a difference, which not with any of my subcontractors, because they're all super hardworking, but there are some differences between different regions and countries where some countries are a little more lax on deadlines. And, you know, if a call starts at three, they might show up at 315. Or, you know, like, I think overall, I've heard that, like, I know Jonathan News on Australia, a lot of the people he works with are just, they don't work, they don't work quite as hard as what he's seen in America. And even in just the web design Divi community. So it is really interesting. That can be something to work out too if you're working with a global uh team that has maybe different cultural things that you're not used to right holiday holiday cultural things that where they take time off during a certain religious holiday or whatever yeah Yeah. i think pablo made the comment um last year um and it was around the holidays he said do you guys ever take time off you know to david (laughs) i I really do think it is it is like an american mindset from you know the the european people that you that you speak to yeah i I just read an article recently about that how we have our 40-hour work week is not it's not really everywhere (laughs) yeah and and it's you know it's we know it's not good to do to do and overwork ourselves but we do it anyway because we like to buy (laughs) shit it's i just can't imagine taking more than a week off i just i mean one day i want to one day i want to take like just two weeks off one day i I really hard to disconnect when I go visit my mom or something when I'm on a, a vacation I it's right. really hard for me to disconnect I, I don't like yeah. it I don't like the feeling of not knowing what's going yeah. on that's I how I am what. now being you know an owner in my own company and stuff I like I love to you know work on my company and, and work and you know and hit, launch stuff and all that but when I was an employee like my time was my own like that that you know it's it's friday evening and saturday sunday like i'm not thinking about work i'm not doing work like yeah exactly like that's my own time and so it was to me that's the big difference is when i was working for someone else it's like you got me you know i'll work hard monday through friday you know from this time to this time but after that like nope right right i don't care if i'm just watching netflix it's not my time (laughs) yeah and so i i kind of wanted to address mike has a good question on the chat and i'll kind of address david's too like for for us we're working on our own learning mike wanted to know do we have make time for our own learning and that does seem to get harder and harder especially right now what's interesting is i've actually i have learned more this year from my subcontractors than i have myself looking stuff up so i'll see something that they've learned and they forward me on i'm like oh that's cool or somebody will find a plug-in that's really sweet i'm like oh i had no idea about that so that's been an interesting way to, to kind of make me learn more is learning by what my subcontractors are doing and um, david had asked if somebody had slowed down on their work what would you do and I know for me, I just want to make sure that my subcontractors are happy with what they're doing. So I don't want them getting stuck in a rut doing the same thing all the time. So what I'm trying to do is kind of find out what they're interested in, find out what they like doing, and then expanding that and giving them some freedom to explore that. So now like I've got Jonathan helping out with some Facebook ads and doing some MailChimp campaigns and stuff like that, as opposed to just doing design eight hours a day or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I could speak to that as well. I had uh, a designer that it was, yeah, kind of felt like I was, um, it felt like he was slowing down and not as motivated and, and everything. And um, basically what kind of helped correct that was like setting more firm deadlines and kind of pushing him. And I kind of knew from his personality that 
that he kind of needed that extra, extra push. You know, he was on the younger side. So, you know, not as, you know, mature and, you know, hadn't, you know, learned as the, uh, you know, I guess a, a solid work ethic and stuff. But once I gave him that push and everything, then it started to kind of fall into place. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like what you're saying, Josh, about, uh, you know, hel- helping them not get burnt out and, and, and trying other things. And, and that's one thing with, uh, with Shafak, my support girl is, is she loves support, but I don't want her. She's so good at, it, I don't want her to Crazy. get burnt out. Yeah. <laughs> and right. so like, I'm always like, well, you know, what else do you want to do to kind of mix things up? She's like, well, I mean, I guess I could do this, but like, I, I'm just really enjoying like doing support. I'm like, okay, like, yeah. as long as you're 100 percent positive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> you can definitely tell, like, you know, when you can kind of tell, you know, when somebody might be in a funk, and you know, even like via Slack sometimes by like, you know, their responses if they're like really short or they're not as you know communicative that day. You can kind of tell, but uh, there's little things you can do to motivate. You know, uh, you know, Friday half day, hey. You know, I'm gonna go ahead and take the rest of the day off. Enjoy your weekend. Um, you know, I'll, I'll keep an eye, you know, on support. Um, little, little stuff like that. And we do have like, like our support guys. We have them doing other stuff. Um, you know, documentation. Yeah. Other other projects and, and things like that. So we we try to bug keep testing. Bug testing. testing. Yeah, not just getting, uh, not just answering support tickets all day, which yeah. which gets exhausting. And I know one thing I consider is, so when I'm, if I'm troubleshooting some CSS problem or something, it can be really, really draining. And if the clients, you know, if they're difficult to work with, it can be even more draining. But at the end of the day, you know, we're getting, we're getting paid for the project and it's, I have like total ownership in that project. I, I sold that project. I'm, I built this client relationship. And at the end of the day, I'm seeing my work go out there and help this client's business grow. Whereas a subcontractor may just see a small part of that. So I try to consider that like if one of my subs is doing a lot of CSS troubleshooting. They may not get that full return when the project is live. So I want to make sure I share that with them and say like, Hey, this project went live, you did an incredible job. Here's the client response and make Thanks sure they're involved dream. in the whole practice, the whole process, as opposed to just sitting there doing code and then getting, you know, paid hourly or whatever it is with no other, you know, uh, exterior motivations. I hope that makes sense, but I've just tried yeah. to really think about that because I have thought of, I do a lot of work that I don't want to do, but it seems like the good things of the business kind of make up for that. Whereas subcontractors might not have that. Right. So well, you want to kind of share in the victory and let them yeah. kind of take ownership of the entire thing as well. That's it. Tim let's just, let, uh, let's let Leslie speak. Trying <laughs> yeah. to get a word in edge. Oh, sorry, Leslie. Sure you got to speak up, Leslie. Sorry, Leslie. <laughs> I want to make sure I kind of like give like kudos kind of to Corey and David, because regarding the learning, um, I I haven't taken time off to learn necessarily, but you know, they have this uh, Gutenberg project, which required SAS. And I, I took like a a course, I took an online course, but I had never worked at, you know, no real time projects on it. And, you know, they allowed me to, I'm basically learning SAS as I'm working on the project. So I'm getting paid uh, and I'm doing design stuff too, but um, you know, it's kind of, it's a really good deal for me. And they were, you know, there's companies like that. I mean, I'm, I'm really lucky to have them to, to be willing to, they could have just outsourced it and found somebody who already used us, but they're giving me the chance and the opportunity to, to learn it. Cause they knew I wanted to. Um, so, you know, you could always find an awesome company like that and they'll pay you to learn. <laughs> yeah, it's a, That's a really good point, you know, cause, uh, that kind of goes to show that it's not all about like someone that has the right skill it's about you know the person the culture fit you know their ambition and stuff because like yeah like you're right let's say they could go out and find someone that like is the SaaS expert but 
they enjoy working with you. They like the way you work, you know, you do really good work. And, and so that's like, you know, that kind of, you know, supersedes everything else. Yeah. You, you have to invest in people just like you do anything else. You know, I mean, if we're, you know, putting development money towards a new product or a company acquisition or, or an employee, you know, investing in them, uh, to me, to me, it's kind of all the same and, and all, you know, really important, uh, in a company. So it's interesting when it comes to learning, with every position where people are at in the business, whether it's freelancer or the person, the boss or the person who's, you know, heading everything up is I've learned this year, I kind of have to figure out what I want to spend my time in learning. So I need to stay up on CSS, Divi, WordPress, and the big things that we're working on on a daily basis. But I almost feel like I need Jonathan and my other subs to really take the lead on all that. And I need to be really devoting the majority of my time now on leadership business development, um, marketing, things like that to where it's not because I don't love CSS. I don't love web design. I do, but there's no one else in the business doing those high end things because it's my business. So yeah. I'm kind of in a position where I have to, I have to fill those shoes. Yeah. Uh, and, so that's, that's one thing that's I've been learning. I mean, if, if you are learning those skills, um, you know, leadership skills and marketing skills, that's, that's just kind of shifting where your learning direction is going. Uh, for me, the, the number one way to learn is just by doing and, you know, <laughs> stuff, breaking mistakes, stuff. mistakes yeah. are your friend, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, uh, managing a, a support forum where you have like, you know, 50 tickets a day and for like 30,000 customers or something crazy, uh, you know, you get to see a lot of that. And a lot of times, you know, I'll kind of dig in, you know, maybe do some quick research on a problem before we escalate it to, uh, to one of our top uh, developers. And you, you just learn like all kinds of stuff, like troubleshooting little things like that. So that's that's one of the best ways for me to learn. Tim, are are you still involved in your support forum like that at times? <laughs> yeah, I I kind of do. You know, yeah, tier two stuff gets escalated to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, what was I gonna say? Totally just blanked. Oh, that was the best thought. You just had, you just had a birthday, so you're you're just a year older and forgetting <laughs> yeah, stuff already, man. Forgetting stuff. Yeah, very forgetful. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> well. Uh, we are coming up to the uh, to the top of the hour, so um, I guess from here we can kind of go into kind of final thoughts. Um, does that sound good to you guys? Can't believe yeah. it. it's been an hour. Uh, I, th I think we could have a whole other episode on just like you know the tech side of it and methodology of of managing and stuff. But I, I think it was important what we touched on uh, today. So. All right. Yeah, this has been really good because this is stuff that no one explains. Like there just isn't too much I feel like about working remotely. Because there's, you know, tools yeah. change all the time. Yeah, just like we all wing it and we all learn it as we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody has their own tools. And, uh, you know, you even like switch tools constantly as, as you go. We're always kind of like adapting. So, all right. Who wants to start with uh, with final thoughts? I can I can go. I'll, I'll give <laughs> a, a final thought here. I'm going to give one as the person who's like the boss or the owner of the business and then one for a freelancer who's wanting to do more remote work. So for somebody like myself who has a business who's you know, hiring people or getting work out towards subcontractors, I would just say you're going to have to step out of your comfort zone and you're going to have to learn about things you probably weren't prepared to learn about and you're just going to have to wear different shoes. So right now, I just talked about that, about how I have to kind of prioritize where my learning goes right now and what I'm investing in. Um, just because there's, there's, I'm not like a partner with another boss and like, or another owner of the company. It's just me. Um, so delegating and kind of prioritizing your, your, um, your, your spot in the business, I think is huge. And then for freelancers, 
I'm going to segment this towards the Divi community is, is just, if I would recommend it, get involved in the Facebook groups as much as you can. And just remember that you are being watched for sure. And if you, you know, if you're helping people and you're generous and you, you have a heart for, for the Divi community and, and web design and, and truly just helping people, it'll go a long way. And you'll be surprised at how many doors might open for you if you're, uh, if you're doing that. So yeah, you're being watched. <laughs> nice. So that, that actually uh, reminded me of something uh, to kind of piggyback off of what Josh said, uh, being a project manager and, you know, uh, you know, delegating, that's an entirely new skill and it, it's a learning curve. And so uh, expect that uh, when you're starting to outsource and, and, you know, bring on team members and everything that it's a learning curve. But then apart from that, there's also a learning curve between working with a particular person and stuff. And so don't just, try them out on a project. And if they don't do everything absolutely perfectly, you know, move on to someone else. Like, you know, cause it may take some time for them to learn kind of what your expectations are and the way that you communicate and stuff and vice versa. Uh, and so I know like, you know, the first project might be, you know, not perfect, a little rough, you know, around the edges, but you can kind of see the potential. And then the more you do it, the more you can kind of uh, foresee, uh, you know, a person's skills and long-term, you know, value from the personality in that first project. And you'll know, okay, well, this isn't really a, a good fit. I don't think I really need to do another one to, you know, see how it goes. Uh, and so, yeah, cause sometimes that, that's something that I've had to remind myself because I do have like pretty high standards of, of what I expect, you know, people that, that work on my team to, to deliver. Um, and so, uh, you know, I have to remind myself that if they don't meet those expectations first time around, like that's okay. Like, you know, it is a little bit of a learning process and, you know, it's going to take some time for them to get used to all that. Good point. Leslie. Um, I, well, I, I don't run a team. I'm usually the one to get hired to be on a team. So I can't really speak to the team leader part, but I will say, um, when I get hired on, I, I try to ask a lot of questions and I think people might feel like they will come across like, Oh, I don't want them to think I'm dumb if I ask, you know, this or too many, too many questions, but I think it shows initiative and that you care that you do things, you know, it's going to kind of mesh with, with how the company works. So Absolutely. I would just say, um, don't be afraid to ask a lot of questions and, and if, um, don't worry about what, what you might look like or whatever, just as long as you show that you really want to learn the ins and outs of the company. Um, I think that can be really helpful because, you know, someone like me who has to work with a bunch of different companies and then kind of learn how they each work differently. Um, that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then give it a couple of weeks and you start getting an idea <laughs> how, how things operate. Um, you know, my, my parting advice is, is just going to be, um, you know, just, just try to try to have fun, uh, you know, try to stay, try to stay relaxed and yes, stay focused on your work. But even though you're working remotely, these are, your, your coworkers, you know, and you, you want to be friends with them. You want to have fun. So, um, you know, just try to remember how, how blessed we are to be able to, to work remotely and to be somewhat flexible in our, in our schedules. And, um, you know, from, from the boss end, um, you know, really focus on, on setting that company tone and that, that really does, you know, move down and, and, and every, everybody feels it, you know? So, um, you know, so if somebody doesn't get back to you, like, you know, within five minutes, you can't go screaming at them, you know, maybe that, where are you? go use the restroom or like, you know, their, their house is on fire or something. So that's a good point, Corey, because my father-in-law works for the post office and I was explaining to him the community and then I'm working with somebody in Australia and Ireland and Vancouver and now somebody in South Africa periodically. And he was just like, wow, that's amazing. And I was like, that is pretty amazing. Like we take it for granted, but it is, it's pretty freaking awesome. So yeah, I, I think, yeah. I think most people who are 
stuck in a desk job nine to five in an office, um, you know, with people bar or microwaving uh, fish in the in the break room. Uh, <laughs> they they probably <laughs> a lot of them would kill to be in our shoes. Um, so yeah, we, we do have to remember that we're blessed and and just have fun with it. So okay, well I, I think that is a pretty good wrap to our uh, episode here. Um, we thank everybody for for tuning in. Uh, you can of course watch uh, Divi Chat for those of you who are watching it right now on on YouTube. Uh, you can watch it later on YouTube as well, or you can go to our uh, website at divi.chat and also on iTunes. You can you can listen on iTunes and Spotify and, and Google and Play Spotify and Google Play now. Thanks, Leslie. Ooh. I have no idea. Thanks to Leslie. About those. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, join us next week. Uh, same place, same time. Uh, that's going to be episode 92, how to grow your audience, uh, you know, for like products and e-commerce and, and things like that. So that ought to be a really great episode. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys then. Talk to you later. Bye. Cheers, guys. <laughs>